Uh, next week, we, we've had a little bit of Thanksgiving theme this morning, and I will try and gear maybe next week's message uh, a little bit more on the Thanksgiving theme next week. But this morning, wanted to wrap up this series, this long series. We've been about, goodness, about two months now. Um, how did we get here, and then why are we here? I'm amazed at the number of people all around the world that are searching for the real meaning in life. They're looking in all the wrong places, all the wrong people, and all the wrong things. They want to know why are they here, searching for their true fulfillment and purpose for being here. And I'll ask you one final time, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you were born? We have been talking about this. Let me just give you a quick review before we move on to our last point. We talked about in our first series on this, the first point is you are here to bring joy and to bring pleasure to God. God, um, he gained great joy and pleasure out of creating you, out of making you. So we need to turn that around and bring great joy and pleasure to God. And you might remember that. How do we do this? We talked about how we worship God. By worshiping God is how we bring pleasure and joy to him. You know, what we do here on Sunday mornings is just a form of it. It's just we come together corporately. But real worship is anything that you and I do that pleases the heart of God. It's hugging a little girl whenever there is a loss in the family. It's whatever it is that God lays upon your heart to do at that moment. I say Monday through Saturday that pleases the heart of God. And remember that worship is not for you. Worship is for God. To bring joy and pleasure to God. That's how you get fulfillment and purpose. That's why you're here. The second point that we made was you are here to be a part of God's family. And it really, really starts with this. You will never truly find fulfillment in this life. You'll never find true purpose until you have first become a part of the family of God, until you have first accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then once you, when you do that, you are in the church. You are in the family of God. When you first accept Jesus as Lord, allow him to be ruler and master of your life. And once you do, you become a part of God's family, the family of God. No matter what kind of earthly family you come from, the family of God, the church should always, should always be a place where one can feel accepted, where one can feel loved, cared for, shown compassion, sympathy, told the truth in love sometimes. I never said that it's a perfect family because the family of God, the church is made up of humans and you and I, and we're not perfect, but it's a place that we should strive to love God and love each other. The third purpose that we talked about is to become like Christ. You and I are here to become like Christ. I started that message off asking you, who do you want to be when you grow up, <laughs> so to speak? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, imitate me 
as I also imitate Christ. Now, some people may look at that and say, wow, that's a rather arrogant statement. Look at me, follow me, imitate me. But I see Paul as someone who had given everything up in order to be like his Jesus. He had said in Philippians 3.8 that he counted all things lost for the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord. He lost everything for Jesus. That's why he could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, in just a couple of weeks, as we already announced on December 6th, we're going to be having a baptism service. In essence, that's really what those who are being baptized are saying. They're saying it to themselves, and they're saying it before God, and they're saying it before us, the world, that they are willing to give everything up for the sake of knowing and following Jesus Christ. So here we see Paul sold out for Christ to look and be like Christ and he encourages us to do the same. In that message, we had talked about that through a lifetime of obedience through submission. Those are words that sometimes make us nervous, especially in today's modern day and age. Those words, obedience and submission, those make us nervous. But through that action, through submitting to the Holy Spirit and dying to ourselves and obeying the Father, we can become like Christ, all that it would be said that we look just like our Father. And then last week, we talked about we are here to serve God. Every single one of us has been given various gifts and talents to serve and to please ourselves. No, to please the God who created us. We talked about each one of us has a shape. We use the acronym SHAPE through our spiritual gifts that God has uniquely given to all of us. A, the heart. Excuse me, H, the heart that longs to do something that we love. Then A, the abilities. And we talked about how all of us have about five to 700 different unique abilities that we can use through our personality traits, and that there is no one just like you, and through our life experiences that we can tap into. Through all of these things, we have the ability to serve God and do great things for Him. And today, the last purpose, the last point, you and I are here for a mission. You and I, church, we are here for a mission. What do I mean by that? Last week, um, I don't know if he's here this morning, but I really want to thank Daryl Martin for just sharing from his heart last week and the veteran service. And, and Daryl just kind of gave us a sneak peek into the life of a soldier, one who was in war. And he just kind of got raw with us there for a little bit, didn't he? I'm sure that while he was over in Vietnam, he and his platoon they were assigned various tasks and missions. He would probably tell you that many times and every time his buddies and he had one goal, one purpose at that time, and that was to accomplish the mission. You know, Jesus, too, had a mission. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save that which are lost. 
He didn't come for, the, for those who feel well. He came for the sick. He came for those who were sick of heart, sick of soul. He came to seek and to save that which are lost. That's it, period. That was his mission. And then Jesus passed that mission on to you and me when he said in Matthew 28, Go you therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. You see, when Jesus noticed this verse, he did not say, Go ye therefore, pastors and preachers and evangelists and missionaries. He didn't say that, did he? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. When he said that, church, he said that to all of us. You, me, alike. He said it to all believers. His mission must be our mission. I'm reminded of a verse, and you don't have to turn there. It will be on the screen, but I'm reminded of a verse in Ezekiel. At this particular time, King Nebuchadnezzar is right around 590 B.C. King, King Nebuchadnezzar had taken Jerusalem, was in the process of taking Jerusalem and, and leading the Jews into captivity. At this time, the prophet Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem about what was going to be taking place. But at that same time, Ezekiel was giving a similar message to the Jewish captives who were already in Babylon. You see, the Jews could not believe how on earth could their God allow the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar to come and take their city. How on earth could this happen? But God was trying to get their attention by showing them their evil and wicked ways. You see, they were a sinful people. They had turned their back on the Lord, their God, They had been a rebellious people, and that had caused this calamity to take place. God was trying to get their attention, and they were in desperate need of repentance and restoration back to God. And Ezekiel was sent by God to warn the people, to plead that they would change their ways. And on one particular occasion, God gave Ezekiel strict orders in Ezekiel 3, verses 17 through 18. Now, the verse, verse 17 is talking to those who need to repent, those who need to come back to God. But watch what God says to Ezekiel in verse 18. He says this, Son of man... I have anointed you, speaking of Ezekiel, I have anointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn the people immediately. And then here we go to Ezekiel. If I warn the wicked, saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their death. What's this saying to us? Is this basically not what God is saying to us today? Folks, every day you and I are surrounded by people who are lost. Every day you and I are surrounded by people who have turned their back on God. People who are not walking with the Lord. 
whose souls are in captivity. And God has specifically sent you. He has specific. Look, there are people in your life that I'll never be able to reach. I'll never be able to touch. But you have a unique ability for that neighbor. You have a unique opportunity with your coworker or a family or a friend. And God is specifically sending you and me to testify and to warn them. And this is a hard and painful reality when it sets in. But I believe, oh God help us. I believe that God's going to hold us responsible if we fail to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Amen? Amen. God help us. God help me. God help us for all the lost opportunities that, have, that we have had down through the years. To share and to not share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody in this life. What a convicting message on all of us. Look, I know that it seems that this message is for those who are more outgoing or those um, who have that type of a personality who can go down the streets of Dover or New Philly or Columbus or a big town or a big city and have more of that evangelistic uh, personality about them. And we say, look, that's their gift. That's not my gift. This does not excuse the rest of us from not sharing Jesus Christ with someone who's lost. I think... I think we make it too complicated, don't we? We can make it easier and, and simplify all of this if we simply share this, our personal story. So all we have to do, church, this morning is just share our personal story. Sharing various parts of our story, of our experience with someone who's lost, things that can be shared with anyone. Now, and I go back to the message that Rick Webb share, shared here years ago. We make it too complicated and too difficult. You know how this starts? Just get to know someone. Just begin a relationship with someone and don't use the word Jesus. Don't even bring up the name Jesus. Because what should happen is after we're hanging out with someone and we intentionally get involved with their life, and I'm talking to me as well, we intentionally get involved with someone who's lost their life and all of a sudden they're going to see that, well, they're different. They talk different. There's just something about them that I can't explain, but they don't react the same way that I do. Or maybe when they get upset, they don't use some of the same words that I use. Or they don't just let them see the difference that Jesus Christ makes in your life. Start with that. Have them over for dinner. Take them out to lunch. Help them when maybe they need some help in their yard or at their house or if they just need help. Then through the course of getting to know them, you can share these things. Share your story with them. Find uh, See, God will open up the window. You don't have to force it. If you're constantly praying for this individual and getting to know them in their life, he will give you opportunities to where you don't have to be a Billy Graham and, and bring them down to uh, you know, their knees or anything like that, but just share your story. Share with them what Jesus Christ has done for you. The story of how you accepted him and you began a relationship with Jesus Christ. Share your life lessons, those most important experiences that God has taught you. Share godly passions. 
those areas of life that God has given you a passion for. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Your life is, listen, your life is the fulfillment of the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation. And yes, I strongly advise you to have a couple verses already memorized in your mind because they don't want to just take your word for it. There may come a time to where they're going to like, okay, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean I, everybody needs to accept this Jesus? You need to be able to get out of the Bible and go to Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ. Well, I don't believe that I'm that bad of a person. Well, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, through one man, sin came to everyone, and death came through one man's sin. Death has come to all men because all men have sinned. You need to be able to take them to the verses. Tell them that they must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But look for those opportunities. Look for those cracks. Look for those times that you can share about Jesus Christ. There's, this is not in any necessary order. God just may uh, prompt you at a moment's notice to share. You know, the Word of God tells us to be ready to give a witness a testimony to the hope that we have within us at any time and at all times. To that person that's standing in line at the grocery store. Dee, I believe, has testified a couple times. She met somebody, I guess, in a store recently, and they struck up a conversation. It wasn't long before Dee was telling them her testimony on Jesus Christ. You'll never know when this will happen. The person that God lays on your heart, listen, may not be interested in coming to a church service, but they may like Starbucks coffee. Right? Right, Shelly? Yep. Pumpkin spice latte, right, Shelly? They may not like coming to a church service, but they may like a piece of your homemade pie. They may not like coming to hear a sermon or coming to hear uh, hymns or whatever it is that we're doing that morning, but they like to golf. Find different ways to get to know them. Create opportunities to where you can interject your personal story. But be real and be genuine. Listen, don't, don't hand them a track the first time you meet them. That's not going to win anybody. Hand them your life. Let them see. Let your life be the track that you hand someone. Because it's going to take time to develop a relationship. And that's, is that not one of the most precious things that we have in this life is time? Time many times is what keeps us from sharing or getting to know someone the way that we need to know them. A lot of times, church, let's just be real, we need to change our mindset. If you and I are going to fulfill this fifth purpose of being on mission for Jesus Christ, we must alter our way of thinking. How do we do this? Instead of being self-centered, we need to be others-centered. Instead of thinking of the here and now, we need to dream a little bit more about eternity. 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 Mm. Sometime, purposely, when you're by yourself, think about eternity. Eternity is a long time. It's a long time. I'm thinking about 
an illustration that I very well may have shared before. I'm just trying to pick which one to share. I'm going to share it. If you've heard it before, forgive me, but for those who haven't, my dad shared an illustration about heaven one time or about eternity. Picture the, the moon, or picture a steel ball, a ball bearing the size of the moon. And take a sparrow down here on this earth. And that sparrow would take off from this earth and it will fly, flutter up to the moon. How long do you think it will take that sparrow to fly up to the moon? Good way, a good time, a good, good long time. Once the sparrow gets up to that moon, he stretches out its wings and he just barely brushes the tip of that steel ball the size of the moon. And whatever steel uh, particles it picks up from just barely brushing up with its wing, it takes those steel particles and it flies back to the earth. And when it gets back to the earth, it deposits those steel ball particles that it had on its feather and then it flies back up to the moon. How long do you think it'll take that sparrow to whittle that steel ball the size of the moon just down to a grain of sand? How many trips back and forth? And Dad said, Brock, whenever that moon gets to be the size of just a grain of sand, eternity will have just begun. Who cares if the Buckeyes lost yesterday? We're talking about eternity. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about leading someone to Jesus Christ. Eternity. You know, there are many times in the older that I get, and the things like Paris happens, and ISIS happens, and things like that, and I'll say, God, come. Come quickly. But then I think of, think of Jacob, my nephew down in Georgia who doesn't yet know the Lord. I'll say, Lord, come quickly, but okay, God, just a little bit longer. Help us to be not self-centered, but other-centered. Help us to not think just of the here and now. Yes, that's part of life. That's We have to go get groceries and do life and go to the bank and do all that, but may we be eternal in our thinking. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you think of these spiritual needs in an unbeliever's life whenever you talk to them. Um, <laughs> perhaps you're like this as well. Um, have you ever been uh, having dinner with somebody and you're talking with them and you look across the table and, and they've got a piece of food stuck right on their mouth? You know what I'm talking about? Does that not drive you nuts whenever that happens? I mean, with me, I can't even look at them. I can't even talk to them. I don't even know what the conversation is, but it just totally distracts me. You know what I'm talking about. Do I have something like that on me now? All right, no. All right, good. And I thought this thought, I thought, Lord, help me to get that distracted over someone's soul. Help me when I'm talking to my neighbor to, as we're talking about this or talking about that, that all I can think about is their soul. All I can think about is, man, if I don't do something, they're going to be lost. If I don't share somehow, some way, their lives are going to be impacted for eternity, forever. Preoccupy our, preoccupy our mind and saturate our mind. May we not be able to think of anything, all that we could have this kind of a mindset when talking to unbelievers. How much of our time and our efforts are spent on things that will not 
lasts. Let's remember that we're talking about eternity here, and with God's help, our willingness and our willingness will be able to impact purpose number five, to be on a mission. Listen, those of you who have taken time to share Jesus Christ with someone, whether or not they've accepted Jesus at that time, you walk away excited. You walk away uh, almost spiritually electrified because you know that you've done something that may have been difficult at the moment, but you have impacted their life for Jesus Christ. You're fulfilling a purpose in life. You're on mission, regardless of the outcome. Look for those opportunities and look for those ways. And I'm going to end with this story this morning. Uh, That man's name right there is John Harper. Some of you may have heard of him. The year was 1912. John Harper, who was an evangelist and a preacher, John and his six-year-old daughter, they boarded a ship from England bound for America, and John was set to preach at the uh, great church of D.L. Moody, one of the most prestigious churches in America that was located in Chicago, Illinois. The church was anxiously waiting his arrival, not only because of the pending services, but to meet their next pastor as Harper planned to accept their invitation to be their next pastor. Unfortunately for John and his daughter, the ship that they boarded was named the Titanic. I'd like to read an article written about John Harper and this event. When the Titanic hit the iceberg... Harper successfully led his daughter to a lifeboat. Being a widower, he may have been allowed to join her, but instead forsook his own rescue, choosing to provide the masses with one more chance to know Christ. Harper ran from person to person, passionately telling others about Christ. As the water began to submerge the unsinkable ship, Harper was heard shouting, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Rebuffed by a certain man at the offer of salvation, Harper gave him his own life vest, saying, you need this more than I do. Up until the last moment on the ship, Harper pleaded with people to give their lives to Jesus. The ship disappeared beneath the deep, frigid waters, leaving hundreds floundering in its wake with no realistic chance for rescue. Harper struggled through hypothermia to swim to as many people as he could, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four years after the tragedy, at a Titanic survivors meeting in Ontario, Canada, One survivor recounted his interaction with Harper in the middle of the icy waters of the Atlantic. He testified that he was clinging to ship debris when Harper swam up to him, twice challenging him with a biblical invitation to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He rejected the offer once. Yet given the second chance and within miles of water and with miles of water beneath his feet, the man finally gave his life to Christ. Then as Harper succumbed to his watery grave, 
This new believer was rescued by a returning lifeboat. As he concluded his remarks at the meeting of survivors, he simply stated, I am the last convert of John Harper. When the Titanic set sail, there were three classes of passengers. If you were in class number one, you were of the rich and the famous. If you were in class two, you were more of the middle class in society. If you were in the third class, those were more of the immigrants who were just desperately trying to get out of Europe and get get over to America. Yet immediately after the tragedy, the white star line that had built the Titanic, the white star line in Liverpool, England, placed a board outside of its office with only two classes of passengers that read, known to be saved, known to be lost. The owners of the Titanic had simply reaffirmed what John Harper already knew. Someone once said that the best use of your life is to spend it for something that outlasts it. The only thing that will outlast your life and will outlast my life is eternity, right? is eternal life, and we can get others to join the family of God. And if we can do that, then we will have given our life for something that will last forever. Look, you and I were created for many things. There's no greater purpose than winning someone for Jesus Christ, to influence someone for Jesus. Whether you plant the seed, whether you fertilize it, whether you water it, or you harvest it, is not the question. The question this morning is are you willing to lose yourself for the sake of someone else? You can't control their actions, but you can control yours. You cannot save them, but you can tell them. So this morning, Mandy, if you would come up, please. This morning, starting today, Pray and ask God to reveal someone in your life who needs the Lord. Make them your mission for the next year. Get to know them. Take them out for dinner. Have them over for dinner. Purposely, intentionally do something to get to know them and ask God to give you ways to share your personal story. Some of you may already have someone. I encourage you this morning to double your efforts. Recommit your efforts and continue to keep working on them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we all take this challenge this morning seriously? Can you imagine what the Bars Mill Church of God will look like one year from now? Two years from now. Daryl Martin last week, I believe, concluded with this, or this is one of his thoughts, and I thought about this. You know, in a couple of days, we're all going to be gathered around our tables with our families and eating from the abundant supply that God has given us. But I happen to believe that 
you know, sometimes you may do this in your family. We go around the table and we just say one, one thing that we're thankful for. It's a you know, my, uh, tradition that many people do. But I would imagine that if people went around the table at Daryl Martin's house, I, I happen to believe that one of the things that Daryl Martin would be thankful for is Don and Marsha Weber. Because they took the time to share Jesus Christ with a man who needed Jesus. bow your heads, please. God, would you break my heart, God, for what breaks yours? Lord, I thank you that we are not here, we are not born for no reason at all. We're not here just to blindly try and find our own way and try and find those things that make us happy in life. God, we are born, we are here to bring you joy and pleasure. God, we are here to accept you as our Lord and Savior and find life and life more abundant in this life, to be a part of the family of God. And God, then we are here to do our best to imitate Jesus Christ for as long as we can, as best as we can. God, we are also here to serve you. Lord, we're here for a mission. God, would you forgive me? Forgive us, God, for being more focused on ourselves and not on others. God, for forgetting about eternity and only living in the here and now. God, this morning I pray that we would dedicate our lives to you to be on this fifth purpose, to be on mission, to impact someone's life for you. Lord, if there's someone here that's never shared the gospel of Jesus, I pray that maybe they would just want to come this morning and just dedicate their life. Just There's someone you've already placed on their heart. God, may they be intentional about just getting to know them. Don't even use the word, the name Jesus. Let them see the difference that Jesus makes. And then, God, give them the boldness to begin sharing their story. May all of us do that with renewed effort this morning, God. And it can't be of our own, Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, that you would help us. God, there might be someone here this morning who has yet to make you really their Lord and Savior. God, this can be their morning. Talk about something to be thankful for. God, there could be someone that leaves this morning who has never known you officially really known you as their Lord and Savior. They've never had that moment to where they've bowed their knee, they've bowed their hearts, and they acknowledge that they're a sinner. They acknowledge that they need you, but they confess that they're a sinner. They believe that you are who you say you are. God, if there's someone here this morning, may they not leave until they make you Lord of all. God, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I praise you and I thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name that we pray.